0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. So I'm still in Maine, and it's absolutely beautiful here. Summer is just in full bloom. We've got all these beautiful birds coming in, all these new plants coming out. It's just like the past week just sprung up. And I'm really working on regrounding here after coming out of a city, which I keep talking about. But it's so important to me to feel rooted again, grounded, and more connected with nature and it's been such a wonderful experience. I just feel myself healing more and more every day. So with that in mind, I really wanted to interview Spencer McGowan, who you're gonna hear from today. She's an herbalist, she's a cook, a published author, and such a cool person. And she actually knows my family and we have a couple mutual friends, but we'd never really met or talked before. So this was kind of a serendipitous thing, and I feel very lucky to have been able to chat with her. So, Spencer really takes us through her journey and helps us understand how accessible herbalism is for all of us. I mean, we talk about picking dandelions from your backyard and making a tea out of it. We talk about using rose petals in cooking and nettles, and I especially love when she goes into how to intuitively connect with plants and what wisdom plants have to offer us. So, I'm really excited for you guys to get Spencer's take on everything. And a few housekeeping notes before we jump into today's episode. Um, If you haven't subscribed to my weekly newsletter, you can do so at helendenham.com slash subscribe. It's really just a stream of consciousness every week to keep us all connected and flowing and high vibe. Um, I also have a new single out called Take It All Back, which came out last week. It's an R&B kind of pop song. that's just really feel good. It's one of my favorite pieces I've put out yet. I'll link that in the show notes as well. And I'm putting out blog posts every week. And now the blog posts have accompanying audio. So you can actually listen to audio instead of reading if you prefer that. But yeah, all the good stuff. But that's enough from me. I'm so excited for you guys to hear Spencer chat. So here we go. I'll talk to you on the flip side. Uh, Okay, so Spencer, let's just jump into it. So I will have already given an introduction and talked a little bit about who you are, what you do, but um, for those of us who aren't familiar with your work, can you give us a little of a personal introduction?
1: Yeah, so um, my name is Spencer McGowan. I am the founder of the blog and shop Ginger Tooth and Twine, which is, um, I dedicate most of my like teachings through about herbal wisdom and cooking um, and publications that have been Publi- I have a book called Blotto Botany, a lesson in healing cordial and plant magic that was published with Harper Collins a couple of years ago. And I um, also create zines, um, which I haven't been doing so much recently, but that's how I got my start with Ginger Tooth and Twine itself was by creating zines. And I, um, am, I also have a small pie business in Montana called Lion and Ram, and it's focused on uh, the tagline is Botanical Eat. So it focuses a lot on how we can infuse like traditional cooking and like herbs into tra- traditional cooking. So um, that's something that I'm super passionate about, just like making herbalism as accessible as possible. And something that we all do as humans is consume food. And um, it's just a really fun way for me to teach herbalism is through cooking and how you can incorporate that healing like those healing plants into your meals and how we can nourish our bodies and our emotional well-being through plants mm. so that's pretty much the gist of what I do
0: <laughs> beautiful I love that I'm also curious about how you came up with the name ginger tooth and twine what's the story mm. behind
1: that? <laughs> um so the story is is that in when I was like 21 I was living in Portland Oregon um while dealing with like a horrendous breakup and to, I needed to just like start over with like my email <laughs> and I just happened to be really obsessed with ginger at the time. And I was like a little weirdo and just collected teeth. <laughs> so, <laughs> ginger tooth became my email. And then, um, after I went to herb school in 2013 in California, I was trying to figure out what my next steps were because I was I had like worked at a toy store after herb school and was making like 8 dollars an hour just nothing and just was feeling really depleted and depressed and um so I was just playing with ideas of like what I could do and if I was going to start a blog or like what my next steps were going to be. And at the time I really thought that like ginger tooth and ginger tooth would become more of a fiber arts based practice. Cause I was, I'm, I've been a knitter since I was a child and um, embroidery is a big passion of mine. So I had kind of anticipated focusing on a lot of fiber arts and hence the twine. And it just, I loved I love string <laughs> and I've just always been like a fan of string. And like, I went to a Waldorf school. So it was something that we were like handed constantly as kids. Um, and that's where I got the name. So
0: <laughs> I love that. That's such an authentic mix of who you are. It sounds like that's awesome. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's yeah. It's been with me for a long time and it's just now it's just stuck. I get called gender tooth sometimes. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, so I'll probably get something tattooed on me thanks yeah I it definitely I think about it sometimes and I'm just like is that is that too much is that like too out there but it's just you know it's it's me and so and it's as authentic as I can be and I feel like it's unique so um, yeah
0: (laughs) yeah it sticks in your head for sure yeah so I'd love to know just kind of your journey to becoming an herbalist and what drew you to
1: herbs in the first place? Like, why did you decide to go to school for that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I always feel like herbalism has, or herbs or plants have been um, a part of me for so long. Like I said, I went to a Waldorf school and they really focus on um, teaching kids Like natural practices, so like I learned how to dye things with flowers when I was a kid, Um, and I just remember being so taken by the idea of like making little potions. And I was an avid, obsessive Harry Potter reader, and anything to do with witches. (laughs) So um, I was really influenced, like at a very young age, by herbs. And uh, after after high school, I, um, I knew I wasn't going to go to college. I, I always struggled with, um, with schooling ever since I was a child, and I like a kid around that I have defiance disorder mm-hmm. <laughs> to a certain extent because I just I I've never been able to do what I'm told to do. So I just knew that schooling wasn't for me. I wasn't interested in it. So I ended up moving. To Sweden, which is my ancestral land, Uh, my grandmother was from Sweden, and I ended up working on a farm outside of Stockholm. And they put me in the kitchen after um, we all realized that I'm not a great farmer. (laughs) So um, that's when I became began like this journey of like, oh, these are nettles, like stinging these stinging nettle plants, like have amazing medicinal value, and you could cook with it. And, um, so that kind of just led me on this journey. Um, and then when I was 19 on Nantucket, a friend, uh, my friend Lindsay and I, we jointly just became really intrigued by herbs and we, we were living in, well, she had a shed that she lived in and I lived in the tent next to hers, her shed. And, um, So, we just became really obsessed with herbs and like trying to, you know, biking around the island, um, trying to find anything we could to make into a tincture or I don't know what else we were making back then. So, that just started me on that journey. And then when I was living in Portland, Oregon, I found the name of the California School of Herbal Studies in the back of a Rosemary Gladstar book. And Rosemary Gladstar is considered like the godmother of herbalism. She's just, incredible all of her books are amazing and um it just it just felt right and it took me a long time to think about it and like a couple years and I applied and I got in and I moved to California to study herbs and it's just been it's just been a part of my life you know since then especially after herb school so
0: yeah so it came really naturally to you
1: yeah awesome
0: and when you first started to go to school, like what do they teach you in herbalism one hundred and one for people like me who are just like pretty unfamiliar with herbs and how to use plants? Can you give us kind of yeah. a one hundred and one?
1: Yeah. Uh, um, so how the, my school was structured? Um, it was three days a week. It's in the redwoods. It's just this amazing piece of property, and they start the first semester is like medicine making. And every week we would get a different herb to take home and try out. And then we would, you know, play around with it, make tea, make syrups or tinctures or oils, and um, just see how each herb made us feel. So it was a very like slow introduction to each herb, which I, and that's, I always encourage people to get to know herbs individually, like you would like a friend. Um, because they are so unique to each individual person um and so we start with like slow slow things like that and then more focus on medicine making and you know like making tinctures and um, salves and lotions and how to cook with herbs and then the second semester we just got more in depth with um kind of like like identification and just a lot of really fun sort of magical practices but like in a very realistic like usable way um and yeah it was just an incredible experience so um herbalism 101 would just be I mean it can start anywhere but yeah I think yeah my yeah starting with an herb and just like making something with it. Let's like starting with something simple like chamomile, which I think most of us are familiar with. You know, we grew up with chamomile in our homes. So starting, you know, starting small and just moving forward is a really great way to practice it.
0: Yeah, for sure. What do you usually keep in your cabinet? If you're gonna go to like like your top three herbs for medicinal
1: purposes, what are you Mm. most often using? Um Nettles, uh rose petals. Uh, Those are definitely my top two. Mm-hmm. And then I think dandelion, cool. I would say.
0: Yeah. Can you, take, can you walk us through kind of the properties of those ones and, and what you use them for?
1: Yeah, so um dandelion is just one of those, it's such an incredible herb. It's a diuretic, it's a digestive aid um and what's cool about dandelion is that it's so abundant and it's easy to harvest especially because it is considered a weed and is you know an invasive plant that's not native to this country or north america um and it's so they're so easy to find so the flower and the leaves and the roots are all edible um and so i i when i use uh, dandelion and anything. It's usually in the form of like a tea or a tincture. And um, I struggle with endometriosis. So I deal with a lot of bloat and uh, discomfort with digestion. It just doesn't flow the way <laughs> I would love it to. Mm-hmm. So um, dandelion has been a big ally in that aspect. Um, and that's usually what I recommend to people, especially because I mean, almost everyone knows what a dandelion. I think, what a dandelion is. Um, yeah. And with nettles, nettles are just, um, just an incredibly valuable herb. And people might know nettle just as stinging nettle, and like, you know, that's the plant that like you touch it and it'll like sting you. And it so a lot of people don't have fond memories of it. But the medicinal practice or use of nettles is just so beautiful and abundant. Like, um, the, there's a herbalist who was my teacher. His name is David Hoffman. And he has this famous quote uh, that says, When in doubt, use nettles because it can just be used to soothe nerves, um, digestion, diuretic again. And I cook with it a lot. So, um, nettles are one of those all around great herbs that I always suggest people use when they're starting out with herbal cooking um, because it has, it has it. the flavor I think adds a lot to something. It's like a very earthy I think creamy flavor. Some people don't know what I'm talking about <laughs> with that, but I've always associated it with kind of like a creamy flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I always, I love to encourage people to cook with when they're starting out or just like having that on hand on your kitchen counter. And rose petals are a fantastic heart healing herb. Um, it's really a beautiful flower for emotional support. And of course, like, I just love the taste. I, um, have definitely like been obsessed with the taste of roses in the past and put it in everything I ate. And I just think it's so versatile and uh, can be put at made savory or sweet. So that's definitely one that I keep on hand. So yeah.
0: Okay. We have like a bouquet of roses in my kitchen from my stepmom's birthday. Would you recommend that I use a rose petal from there, or is it dangerous to use um, petals from roses that are store bought?
1: This that's a great question. Um, so most of the time, like store-bought roses will have a spray on them that you don't want to use, but you can also dry those roses and like use them um as like a smelling thing. You could put them like as potpourri, I guess. So you could put them in a little dish or you can make like a little satchel with it. Um and yeah, so you could definitely use that as like an aromatic. But yeah. Typically like you're in Maine, so you are very lucky because you have those um the sea roses right. that come out. So those those are my absolute favorite. Um I love rosa vergosa. And um so you could do that for sure. You could go to the beach and just collect a bunch of those and those are edible too. You just gotta just gotta rinse them off. <laughs> sure.
0: And do you like to like put them in salads or use them
1: in baked goods? Yeah, oh anything. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Um, you could do, you can make your own rose water too, which is, um, like you can find a lot of recipes or instructions for that online. Um, I, with fresh rose petals, what I'll most likely do is like make a jam with it or a jelly, Mm -hmm. um, or just add it to, yeah, like a salad or, um, you could dip them in chocolate. Just anything is possible. So yeah, you can get really creative with this stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. okay and I'm, I'm like a kid in a candy store because I'm like curious <laughs> about this stuff so I, we have dandelions all over the place and if I wanted to make a tea like mm-hmm. how would I make a tea if I'm just picking dandelions from the front yard like what did I do
1: so with the tea for I would say like picking some the leaves and the flower head would be great the stem is just not I don't, it, it's just, just they try to leave that out as much as possible. It's not, I don't like the taste of it. I think it's super bitter in a way that's, you know, it tastes like you're eating grass. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you could do, you could just like gather up a little bit of the heads of the flower heads and the leaves and just cover it with boiling water, like a couple cups of boiling water and just let it infuse for maybe like five or 10 minutes and then strain it out and drink it with honey. That Great. could be something that you do. Um the a lot of times you'll find prepackaged uh dandelion in um as the root. And the root is so delicious. You can either get it raw or roasted. And roasted dandelion is it can be um like I used to use it as a coffee substitute, and I still do sometimes when I'm trying to wean off coffee or just caffeine in general. Mm-hmm. And um that's a great coffee supplement. I mean, not supplement, <laughs> replacement. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, so you can do pretty much anything. But it's, as a beginner, I would definitely just take the the heads and the leaves. I think it's easier. And then once, like, once the, when you harvest a root, you typically want to do it in the later, like the later end of summer, or in the fall, because if you think about a flower, when it's blooming like all of that energy is going to that aerial part of the plant Mm -hmm. so it's the there's not as much energy or medicinal value in that root so you want to make sure that the like the flower is gone before you um you harvest the root that goes for any root almost so gotcha yeah Oh yeah.
0: great. I'm excited. I'm like looking at the dandelions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're They're so, you. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make in the next couple of days. I'm going to try to make um, dandelion fritters. I'm just going to cover them in batter and fry them and see how that goes. Uh, I've never done it before. So
0: yeah. That's, that's <laughs> cool. I've also been seeing you talk a little bit about mushrooms. Can you take us mm. through, like your you know perspective on mushrooms and how we can use those? And don't they have really good healing properties? Are they kind of up for that?
1: Like what's the deal with mushrooms? Mushrooms are super cool because they're not quite a plant and it's not quite an animal. It's somewhere in between. So, um, and they do have more, um, like animalistic qualities to them. Mushrooms are, you know, they, they're so fascinating. It's just this whole kingdom of a different species and they're so abundant. Um, and, you know, they can be really, really healing. They can be really delicious. And they can also just kill you. Yeah. <laughs> um, they can make you trip. You know, there's, just like, so many different things that mushrooms can do to humans. Um, and so I got into mushroom hunting, I believe, or just, like, the idea of mushrooms, like... I became aware of them and that you can forage them and like find them outside when I was living in Sweden the first time. And, um, it's a, still a controversial, like, (laughs) like who put the, we, we harvested some mushrooms on this Viking Island, like this dedicated, like historical site and, (laughs) Somehow there were some bad ones that got in the batch of the of the cooking, (laughs) and and we had we all had a very interesting night. Like every single person at the table was experiencing something different, and so we (laughs) like my friends and I are still like you put the mushrooms in there, right? Like you did that. Like (laughs) oh my god! um, So I became aware of mushroom harvesting then, and then I got really into it um, in herb school when we had a whole like class devoted to mushroom hunting and um, mushrooms as medicine. And I was very much into reishi mushroom, which is um, a very old, very powerful um, mushroom that can be great for immunity. Um, And so I just started really playing around with that. And now there's an interesting, you know, turn of like this trend of mushrooms you know there's you see all these like mushroom farmers popping up everywhere which is so cool because they're super easy to grow Mm -hmm. and they grow really fast so it's a really um and you know these are like I said it's great for food and healing and so it's just uh yeah I don't know too much about mushrooms that's definitely something that like is a whole separate I mean it's connected to the herbalism world but like Mm-hmm. I want to know there's just so much that we don't even know like as humans like what mushrooms can do for yeah. us. So um a movie that I really recommend is called Fantastic Fungi and you can rent that online and it's just so beautiful. It's such a beautiful um little documentary devoted to mushrooms and what they do for us. Great, I'll have to
0: check that out. I saw recently that they were starting to make almost like a leather material out of mushrooms yeah wouldn't that be amazing if they could start to replace leather with mushroom
1: it'd be so cool there's so many things that we could do like replace with mushrooms it's just yeah yeah I'm excited to see what happens with that and I'm so grateful that there's so many people just solely devoted to mushrooms
0: yeah I know it's a whole shrooming community out there it's wonderful yeah. <laughs> I also wanted to talk to you. I'm so fascinated about how plants communicate with each other and like mm. the general intelligence behind plants. Do you have any insight on that or what have you learned about plant
1: intelligence? I mean, I so a part of my practice as an herbalist is listening to plants. Um and just something that I really try to advocate for when I'm teaching is how to trust your intuition. And when it comes to plants, like if you're harvesting, you know, like sometimes I'll sit with a plant and it'll, you know, basically say, like, I just get this intuition to not harvest that plant. Um, sometimes a plant will just appear somewhere and it's like, you need to take this, or I'll have a dream about a plant, and um I'll know that like I need to seek that plant out either by taking it internally or just like being with a plant or just like researching it that day. So I think that plants are so innately wise and um, they are living beings. And I, I mean, it's just such a powerful experience when you discover that you can communicate with plants in this way. And I think that a way that a lot of people can, even if they're not practicing herbalism in any way is through, you know, houseplants. Um I think there's a lot of studies behind this too about um do house plants have feelings? Can they hear us? Do they emotionally rely on us as we do with them? And I think a lot of you know millennials now are really into plants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it's it's a really interesting thing. Like when a couple of years ago, I think I was going on my book tour, um, my husband Connor, he like I had so many houseplants, I was just obsessed with them. And when I came back, like half of them were like dead. Oh no. <laughs> and he was like, I was watering them. I don't know what happened. Like, I think they missed you. <laughs> Cause I was just so obsessed right. with them and attentive to them. And um, yeah, and then we got a cat recently and he just destroyed all the plants. And, um, and then just because of my anxiety, they all started to, the ones that didn't, they just all started to die and wither away. And um, I just really noticed a difference. Like when, when I was talking to them or just like being there for them and devoting more energy, um, emotional energy to them, that there was such a, there was such a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, And I noticed that with my mom too. She like has this, green thumb that's pretty incredible um that just like I had I mean we never I didn't grow up with plants so house plants so um when we moved to Montana she like revived the spider plant and she would like talk to it every day as she was watering it and it just like it's amazing how that plant survived (laughs) just like came back and was like bigger than ever and yeah so I think that we plants deserve more credit from mm-hmm. us humans, because they are, they have so much to offer, and just by sitting with a plant outside, or, um, like, I, I just, like, to just lie on the ground a lot, <laughs> and just feel that sort of energy, um, it's so healing.
0: Oh, my gosh, it really is so powerful. I mean, mm-hmm. just being home, coming back from New York City, I literally have just mm. been taking at least. 20 minutes to just literally lie in the grass in our backyard (laughs) and just like ground because you feel it charge you. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's interesting when you live in a city, like I've spent so much time in New York city and I went to high school on the South side of Chicago and it's just, you know, when you're cities are really interesting, it has a different energy and plants. It's so cool to see plants come up in cities, like, you know, dandelions sprouting up out of, like, sidewalk cracks and, like, the middle of nowhere. It's just, that's it just is another testament to how powerful they are. Um, They'll just get through anywhere.
0: Totally. I know. That is crazy. It's interesting to think of what would happen if everything shut down and what would happen (laughs) if nature could take over. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. (laughs) And I definitely want to dive into this with you because I think we're both kind of fascinated by magic and just kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, esoteric stuff surrounding plants in general, I'm sure for you, but do you have any like spiritual practices that you use around plants or, you know, spells or anything? Like I've been really into candle work and using herbs around candle work and starting to get familiar, but what, what are your practices look like?
1: You You know, I feel kind of without practice right now, to be honest, um, I just moved and ever since moving to Montana, I, it's been such an adjustment for me. Like so much has happened, um, since moving here, like the, the book deal, um, I got married, um, to a guy yeah. I met from Tinder, like just totally unexpected things yeah. that have happened here that, um, and like, you know, on the other side, like I have, I've increased anxiety and just a lot of more health issues. And it's just kind of like, I, I feel like since moving back to the countryside um, and not being situated in a tiny apartment above a laundromat in the middle of like Missoula, which is, you know, small, but it's still a city. Um, Yeah. I can feel it slowly coming back as a like practices and those sort of magical ways. Um like on the full moon we had a it was really important to me that we like had a picnic outside and lit candles. Um candlework is something that I really am interested in getting into. Um I think fire and is just so cool and just like magical and there's so much there with that candle work. Um but yeah I think I'm trying to rediscover my practices now. Um, Yesterday I had a really, admittedly had a really hard day and I was just being really emotional and frustrated. And I like just got really angry and like went outside on a walk and just sat in the grass for like half an hour by myself. And that, that in itself felt like a, you know, getting back to my roots um in practice in different ways and um so yeah like I'm yeah I'm just trying to find rediscover those practices right now and I think um I think that yeah it's totally normal to like be without practice for a little while and just like try to figure out what works for you and
0: yeah so that's
1: that's my journey with that right now. <laughs> totally. And I'm kind of
0: labeling it as magical or kind of spiritual work, but I feel like just you taking the time to sit in the grass or just communicate with your plants or forage yeah. like you do is in itself a whole practice and it doesn't have to be this ritualistic thing. It's just kind of like who you are and what you're doing on the daily, which is beautiful.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, it's interesting because in the past I think in the past four years, I mean We've really a lot of I've noticed a lot more um, talk about practice and how to feel calm in such a chaotic world that we're living in. and um, especially now with this pandemic, it's really I, th- I noticed that more people are like talking about practices and like morning ritual and what they're doing and you know, what they're not doing, how they're struggling with it. Um, Like for me at the beginning of this whole quarantine, um, I was sleeping in really late and just like going to bed at 3 a.m. and, you know, just trying to adjust. And I think because so many, we're all working from home right now, you know, well, not all of us, um, but a lot of us are, you know, we're spending more time at home. Yeah. Um, So we have to find these new rituals and it's an interesting it's um it's inspiring to see to see what everybody's doing and i just downloaded this app called fabulous yeah. <laughs> have you heard about this no it's what is it? um it's like a more it's a ritual app so it's an app for creating ritual and they kind of focus it's like a really cute little whimsical app and they kind of play it's like a game almost like the you start really simply with like the first three days you have to consume water for like three days and then you move on to the next practice, which is like you eat a good breakfast for three days. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's raining and it might get really loud. So (laughs) we we discovered that it is super loud in this cabin when it rains. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. That sounds actually lovely. Like calming hearing the rain come down like that.
1: Yeah, it so is. Nice. Last night it wasn't. At like three in the morning, we were woken up, and it was like coming down really hard.
0: But <laughs> a little too much. A little too much. Around. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that sounds like a cool app,
0: though, because it makes more sense to kind of do things incrementally instead of mm-hmm. all of a sudden waking up in the morning and you have this whole new new routine for the person you want to be. But you like you got to break it down a little bit, otherwise, it's yeah. hard to actually form a lifestyle. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm right there yeah. with you. I was I was struggling with my sleep patterns and everything coming into this, but it mm-hmm. is fascinating because so many like people are just talking exactly like you said about their rituals, about their personal practices. And I feel like years ago it almost would have been weird to talk about, or just a little bit taboo. And mm-hmm. I find that everybody's just so open to it. We're all like, yeah, working on this, working yep. on myself in this way, or here's what I'm experimenting with. And everyone has such a unique yeah. take on on what actually works for them and how they. Handle, especially anxiety in this time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, okay. Now I want to hear about your book process because this is so mm. fascinating to me. I, I think you told me just kind of quickly that you had, you were putting the books in stores on your own and like you were making your book. And yeah, tell us, tell yeah. us what book came to be.
1: So um my book, Blotto Botany, was originally a zine. It was like an eight page zine. Um, and I printed it out at Staples. I wrote it in when I was living in Maine. And um it it was just like a little thing that I put together. It was all collage format. And I would hand stitch it myself. And I taught a class on it at a store called Housewitch in Salem, Massachusetts, that I think you would absolutely love cool. if you haven't heard of it yet. Um but so I taught a class called Blot or Buzzed Botany, I think we called it there. <laughs> and um Then, like Erica, the owner, she bought some of the copies of the zine from me. And I just tried to put it in other stores around the country. And then I ended up moving back to Sweden and um, thought I was going to live there full time or just like forever. (laughs) And and then I ended up coming to Montana and helping my mom move from Maine to Montana for a job that she got out here. And one day I just got an email from, from an editor at HarperCollins that she said she found the zine at Housewitch and was wondering if I wanted to make it into a full-length book. And um, I actually thought it was like our mutual friend playing a joke on me. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was just like, this isn't real. Like, so I had to look this editor up on LinkedIn and all these places and it was real. And so oh. um, we just started that process of you know, negotiations and trying, you know, presenting it and, um, to the publishers. And so that was, you know, it was a really, it was a really wild, um, experience that at the time it just felt like this feels right. Like I want, I've always wanted to write a book. I've always been a writer to a certain extent, whether, you know, mostly for personal practice. And then I started making those zines and, um, so, but it, it just, at the same time, it was, I was such like a small, tiny fish in this in this massive world of publishing that was so overwhelming, and I just felt kind of um like lost in the experience, but also so proud of my work that I had done and yeah. the process i you know I hand wrote almost every single recipe in there um I did all of the illustrations, all the photos um and you know i I call it my book baby for a reason and because it was just like this huge like year and a half process and it finally came out and um yeah it's been you know it's been a process still with that book and just trying to it had a I was hoping that it wouldn't be as niche as because I think that you know cordial making and herbalism is like really fun and exciting and really simple the way that I presented the recipes. Um, but you know, it's, you know, still a growing market and, um, the book has done well. It's, you know, been on, it was on Buzzfeed's best books of 2018, which was really exciting. And in the Boston Globe and got some pretty good recognition. So it's, you know, it's a tiny little book, but I'm really proud of her. So.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's such an accomplishment, Spencer, to have a published book out there. And, you know, it just goes to show like how much magic can happen when you just put out the effort, like, cause you were distributing this book on your own to these little stores and like you were just there, like vibrationally. It's just so, it's very inspiring. It's very cool. Oh,
1: good. I'm glad to hear
0: that.
1: (laughs) Um, So, You
0: did a little book tour
1: with it. What was your book tour like? So the book tour, um, it wasn't as big as I would have loved for it to be, but um, one thing like publishing houses don't normally provide financial help with um like the tour or marketing um so i was self-funding it and i i came i started in missoula a little bit like i did a reading um in missoula (laughs) can you hear the rain (laughs) at all no. No, you're good. It's not distracting. <laughs> it's really loud. <laughs> um, so I started in Missoula and then I had my launch party in Kennebunk actually at, um, oh, Frinkle Pod. Oh, <laughs> and, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's so
0: appropriate. Cute.
1: Yeah. I love that family so much. Um, oh, it's hailing. That's oh, why. excellent. <laughs> <laughs> that's Montana. <laughs> um, and then I did a couple readings in Portland and um, one on Nantucket, where I'm from. And it was just, yeah, so that was the gist of it. I ended up getting really sick during the book tour. I had really bad bronchitis, so I ended up having to cancel a lot and then go home. But yeah, it was an interesting experience, like lot, a lot huge learning curve for me.
0: Yeah, a ride yeah. for sure. Do you have any, like, plans for another project in the future, or are you just kind of working on yeah. what's going on for your future?
1: Um, so right now we're shopping around a new book. Um, it'll be a full-length cookbook, and I'm really hopeful that it finds a really great home soon. Um, I did, like, I put in more effort this because, you know, the first one the, with Blotto, it was just completely unexpected, um, but I have an amazing agent now, so she... She's just like the coolest person and um, is really supportive and um, really putting it out there for me. So um, oh. I have her fighting for me and trying to find it a good home,
0: awesome. which is fantastic. Yeah. So. All of these creative projects are such a you know process to go through. Mm -hmm. So I know your community in general is more familiar with herbalism in general than like somebody like me is who's so new to it. So is there anything that you're learning recently that you want to talk to your community about and people who are just interested in herbalism anyways, anything that you're particularly excited about and learning about right now?
1: I think, you know, I'm just diving deeper and deeper into cooking with herbs. And um, one thing that I'm noticing is that people right now during this time are really reaching for traditional methods. Like if you see like everybody's making bread at home, you know, and um, has a starter or like people are just focusing on their gardens or like little planted pots, you know, planted. Yeah. Things of just like on their balconies. Um, So I'm just, I'm really excited to see, how people are developing during this time and especially going towards herbs. Um, and, you know, my goal, I just want to make it as accessible as possible because I think that there's a lot of, I think this goes with any sort of spiritual practice. Um, it just, you know, it can be so trendy that it's almost harmful, especially like financially. Um, just, I look at some of the pricings out there, like, I mean, I think we all know Goop <laughs> and yep. just like the things that are marketed there. And on one hand, I think it's so cool that there are these huge companies like educating people or like selling these things. But also it just like, it makes, it makes things like herbalism really intimidating. So I'm just like, I'm trying to figure out how to make it as accessible as possible for people. I'm not somebody who, you know, I don't make, I don't make a ton of money. I you know, been really on a tight, tight budget for the past few years, um, and I just am like really excited to see people fighting for the financial aspect of things and like workers' rights, and um, and in turn, you know, herbalism and healing yourself as cheaply as possible yeah. and like as naturally as possible. And I think because in America or the United States, we don't have, I mean, like I don't have healthcare right now. So, you know, we have to sort of figure out how we, how we can um, heal on our own. And I think that's why herbalism has become such a trend here.
0: I love it. And I think a lot of us are just naturally shifting away from pharmaceuticals and realizing Mm -hmm. that there are you know, much more grounded and wonderful ways to treat ourselves and heal ourselves and really look at the root cause, like what's even causing the ailment in the first place, going there and then using nature to help us with the remedy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, is there any kind of like parting wisdom that you want to leave us with and and chat about anything that's on your mind that you want to share?
1: Yeah. um, I mean, I'm always available to answer questions. Um, And, you know, I'm working on some online classes right now. Um, I'm teaching, co-teaching or co-hosting a class called, we're calling it um, Thirsty Plant Thursday (laughs) this coming week. And, um, you know, it's a sliding scale of zero to five dollars. And it's just like, you know, we're just going to be talking about plants. And um, I am just working on different webinars and that sort of thing I'm always available to talk to people about their plants or like different resources um and yeah I just I want people to remember that you know plants are super powerful and it's okay to you know take your time with them it's okay to you know be happy with an herb it's okay to like be angry with an herb I think that that's something that isn't talked about like I've definitely had like fights with certain herbs (laughs) to a certain extent and you know everybody has their own journey with herbalism and plants in itself even if it's a house plant um and you know you are capable of healing and growing plants or healing with herbs or just learning about you know even if you learn about one one herb and that herb really resonates with you then like stick to that herb you don't need to go out and buy a whole cabinet of different plants. Like just stick to one herb and, you know, see what it does for you and how you, how you feel about it and how your body reacts to it. And yeah.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. Are there any books that you'd recommend for the community? Mm. Like
1: what books have really impacted you? Well, anything by Rosemary Gladstar for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a new book out called plant magic um that I I have heard really good things about and it's kind of a more updated take on herbalism. Um, I mean my book, Blotto Botany, <laughs> of course I'm always going to plug that. Um, there's some different like there's a whole slew of different um medicine makings in there, um, and a little bit of a few plant profiles. Um, David Hoffman is a great herbalist to look at. Um, and then online there's so many different people um like Mila she has the woman who married a bear um Instagram and she has an herb shop now um Spellbound Herbals is a great one the Cosmic Kitchen they have a book coming out that's all about cooking with herbs and sort of more of an Ayurvedic take on um a very modern Ayurvedic take um So yeah, there's so many people out there. Um, I can definitely like provide a list if you want one. We can put in the show notes or something. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yes. And I'll
0: link your book in the show notes too, so that everybody can find you and your Instagram and your website so that people can easily find you. i love that. Well, thank you so much, Spencer. I just like, I'm so glad that we got a chance to talk about this and you could introduce this community as well to herbalism. And I hope that everybody takes a little initiative. Maybe go pick some dandelions. Alright, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. So, you can follow along with Spencer on Instagram at Ginger Tooth and Twine. And again, her book is called Blotto Botany. And of course, I'll link all of that in the show notes. You can follow along with me on Instagram at Helen Denham underscore. And helendenham.com is my website where you can find all of my news and updates and blog posts and music and other podcast guests, all of that good stuff. And I would love to hear from you guys on Instagram. Let us know what you learned from today, what you might be experimenting with in the herbal world, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for being part of this community, guys.